Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 93 on the March to 100. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and this week is really about two things. Number one is encouraging you and, and thinking about ways to uh, really take things that you just have laying around with no, no value because you're not using them around the house and converting that into, uh, into money that you can then put into investments and add to your investments. And so that's really relevant for someone who is an existing investor already you know, doing it. Um, but it's really relevant for someone who has never invested before and sort of has some, uh, there's this sort of hang up about how you get started or how you actually, you know, can find cash to, to put towards stocks. So in the first part, one of the things I wanted to talk about is, you know, I titled the, the episode, how to find money in your, in your, uh, couch cushions to buy a stock or to buy your first stock. And one of the things, uh, I think it's really important is, you know, in, in the era of having all this stuff and stuff around your house, uh, around the apartment, um, a lot of that stuff, if you kind of look around and you're trying to say, well, do I, number one, do I really use it? Number two is, should I, you know, the whole, and by the way, there's plenty of podcasts and people much better than I am at, at figuring out how to, what is it? The, the keep giveaway sell idea where you separate things into three piles. But thinking about uh, things around your house, your apartment, that you're not using anymore. And I think this is a good way, Number, you know, it's sort of a challenge too. Maybe it's a challenge you can do over a weekend where you can take a look and say, you know, is there stuff I'm not using any longer and, and I can actually liquidate it, find some, some remaining value, residual value in it. And then I can take that money and, and just apply it to a stock or to an investment account or add to the investments I, I currently have. So, you know, one of the, the things that uh, I would suggest you do is, uh, and you might have an old cell phone and you might think, well, who would buy this old cell phone? You never know. And, you know, even in these days, it used to be so prohibitive because of commissions and everything like that. But you know, what if you had an old cell phone that was laying around and you could actually convert it to cash? You could sell it maybe on eBay. And by the way, eBay is, I'll be honest, I sold some stuff on eBay not too long ago. You know, the fees are higher, it seems like, than they ever have. Uh, once they pass that, uh, that law, I guess, you know, eBay has to collect sales taxes now. You got to ship it. You got to, you know, um, but it, it's not that much work. It's not that much work. Is it the best place to sell stuff? I don't know. Uh, I've heard people say offer up is better, but um, it's the old network effect. You sort of want to go to where the most people are. And in the age of uh, a lot of the COVID restrictions, I don't know if people are doing stuff in person. Uh, what was the uh, Craigslist? That was big for a while. But one of the things I would su suggest is, okay, let's say next weekend or any day that you want, uh, go into your garage, go into the, you know, a spare, spare bedroom, spare room, a closet, a desk, anywhere. And I would make a, I would challenge everybody to find, you know, five things, five to 10 things that you don't use any longer and you think might have value. And you might be surprised. I mentioned the old cell phone. There's a couple of years ago, I think I, I found an old cell phone. I said, nobody's going to buy this. And I threw it on, on eBay and after, 
you know, and the buyer pays for the shipping and after, you know, whatever fees they charge, I think I wound up getting like 20 bucks net to me. And you might say, well, that's, that's not really a lot. But what if you could take that 20 bucks in the age of fractional shares, which I'll talk about, you know, Schwab has their slices and Fidelity has them. Some, some other firms are, are doing it um, where you can actually buy, you know, you don't have $3,000 to buy a share of Amazon. You could buy $20 worth of Amazon, but more on that later. So old cell phones, uh, old computers, I think I, you know, I found an old computer. And, and by the way, a lot of times too, like if you buy stuff on Apple, Sometimes they'll let you trade in an old phone or an old computer and they'll give you a credit. Um, but what's the process here? Old sporting good equipment. So go ahead and find you know, five to 10 things and see if you can, if you can get some money for them. Um, even if it, well, not a lot of people are doing a garage sales right now, but you get the idea. So you do this and you come up with a little extra money and it's that item that's sitting in your garage accumulating dust is not really, it's, it's depreciating asset unless it's a collectible, I suppose. Um, and if you don't use it, why not try and get some cash for it? But that's the first thing when everyone, when I've given talks and I've, I've, you know, done presentations, people say, well, I'd love to start, but I, I don't even have any money to start. Uh, I'm more on that in a little bit. Uh, cause nowadays with, uh, no fees and no commissions and there's really no minimums for a lot of the big brokerage firms anymore. I mean, you can start with like a dollar. So that's number one. Go ahead and, and try and find something. The second thing is, and this part of it is, you know, a lot of people, and I've given talks where I show people the value of investing early, of compounding. And the younger you are, the better, the more compounding and more leverage you get in especially the the time. Uh, but even if you're, you're not, you know, uh, 20s or 30s, it's still important to, there's no reason not to start. Uh, it could be saving for retirement. It could be saving for vacation. You might be surprised how putting a little money away every month adds up over time. And so, you know, a lot of times I do these presentations and I'll say, uh, and people are like, yeah, you know, that, that looks really interesting. I should put away money. I can see that doing the math, seeing, putting money in periodically over time, assuming some sort of historical rate of return, your money compounds, gets dividends, gets reinvested, and starts to grow over time. And, but there's this friction point. And friction in economics is, it can be a little bit complicated. But think about friction is how, you know, is there some impediment uh, to a process? In other words, you know, think about what Amazon did. Like Amazon reduced friction because they essentially, I mean, I, I know you, you pay for Amazon Prime annually, but they really reduced a lot of the barriers, you know, to ordering things online. They reduced shipping times that, you know, used to be, well, I could buy it on Amazon, but if I have to wait seven days, uh, and if, you know, prior to Amazon, if I have to wait a week and have to pay $20 for shipping, well, it's not really worth it. Well, Amazon got rid of a lot of those friction points. And friction is usually thought about, you know, like, Distance, cost, regulations, uh, friction in economics could be barriers to entry. So, what are the impediments for uh, a company to, to enter a space? Like, there's a lot of friction if you want to start an airline. There's regulations, there's high capital costs, things like that. But so, the friction points for a lot of 
you know, people are trying to get started used to be high minimums for brokerage accounts, uh, just the ability or the knowledge or the understanding of what's even the process. And that's gotten a lot easier with, uh, with the online model because there's a lot of information online. Uh, but then commissions, it used to be, you know, people would love to start and just buy a share of stock. But if you, you know, you buy a $50 stock and there's a $20 commission, it was like, well, I'm paying, you know, I, and then if I sold the thing, imagine that, you know, buy a $50 stock, it goes up 10 points to 60, you want to sell it, but you want to pay in, you know, 40 bucks in commissions, you're, um, you know, you're, you're down money there. So the good news is nowadays, uh, essentially we have zero commissions, all the major brokerage firms, Schwab, Fidelity, uh, TD, Le Schwab and TD have, uh, uh, are on the, the path to becoming one uh, once their merger closes. So it really be Schwab, Fidelity, let's say Vanguard, um, interactive brokers. But it really, you know, the, the big three that are left, Schwab, Vanguard, and, uh, and Fidelity, all of them have zero commissions now. And all of them also are doing things like fractional shares, which I'll explain. And so those impediments, that friction as far as the, the cost have gone away. What hasn't gone away, I've noticed though, is just this, this idea of someone says, okay, I get it, I should, I should be investing and why not take a little bit of money each month, week, whatever it is and put it into stocks or put it into a fund. But it's that point where it seems like it's too hard. It seems like the questions come up, you know, what type of account do I need? So let's try and solve that. Um, so let's say you've decided, you know, I, I should be investing. That's a good idea. What's the next step? Well, the next step is you got to open up a brokerage account. And brokerage accounts, uh, you know, for example, if you go to Schwab.com and, you know, Fidelity.com, Vanguard.com, they're all going to have information on you know, types of accounts, uh, you know, things like that. TDMeritrade.com is still still up there until them they merge with Schwab. But Generally, you know, you go there and what you need is a brokerage account. A brokerage account is just, it's an account that you open and it could be just in your name. It could be uh, a joint account, you know, so if a husband and wife uh, open an account, normally they, they might open a joint account or they might each have their own separate accounts, right? That's for them to decide. And there's other ones too. There's IRAs, which are uh, individual retirement accounts, Roth accounts, um, you probably already have a 401k at your employer and those are good accounts, especially if your employer matches some of your contributions, it's kind of like getting free money. So the first thing that you would do is you go to one of these, these, uh, you know, I, I just say Schwab, Vanguard, um, Fidelity. Um, I know some of you might be like, why not Robinhood? I, I don't know enough, uh, know as much about Robinhood, but I do think it's interesting by the way, as an aside that, you know, as far as I can tell, Schwab does everything that Robinhood does and more. I'll use Schwab as an, as an example. I mean, there's no commissions anymore at Schwab. Um, they also, I think, I'm not sure how accessible Robinhood is. People have told me that, uh, you know, they're not open all the time, 24-7. I think you can pretty much call Schwab, message them, email them 24-7 now. Uh, Schwab Fidelity, you know, they have branch offices. Some of them might have reduced hours because of COVID right now. Um, but it, it is, I think, one of the reasons, you know, maybe a Robinhood or some of the other 
online apps or the app-based brokerage firms, they've sort of found a niche and their, their niche is more uh, people who haven't invested or millennials or younger folks. Um, but to me, they've done something to reduce the friction and the impediment of someone thinking it's a good idea to then how do I navigate this? And I, and I think that's a good lesson for, for the big players as well. Um, they've done something that makes it easier for people to transition from not investing to investing. Um, so anyway, so Schwab, uh, so you, you would need a, a brokerage account. And basically you go to the, any of these places, you fill out an application, and you've got a brokerage account. And then the question is, how do you fund it? So let's say you open up an individual brokerage account. It's in your name. Most of these places have online. They have apps now. You can do everything. And then how do you fund it? Well, brokerage accounts can't take cash. They're not like a bank. So typically what people would do is they would link a bank account and you would do an, an electronic transfer. You can send them a check. Uh, but a lot of times these days you, um, you do something like a, uh, you, know, you just link up a, a bank account and that's how you would fund it. And then once you, it's funded, then it's a matter of going in there and actually um, you hear buy or sell. It's a matter of buying shares of a stock. Uh, it could be Apple, Amazon, it could be any stock, right? I'm not making a rec- recommendation. You could also buy an exchange-traded fund, which is an ETF. It trades like a stock, trades all day like a stock. But it might be similar to a mutual fund in that it contains a lot of different companies. For example, if you buy shares in SPY, that's the S&P 500 uh, index ETF. And basically, it mirrors the S&P 500. So if you ever turn on CNBC and you see the S&P 500 out there uh, moving around, if you bought a share of that, um, that would actually, you know, you'd own all those companies. And you could also buy mutual funds. So a mutual fund is just doesn't trade like a stock. It trades once a day. But these are really good vehicles for periodic investment. And so, you know, if, if you put money to a broker, you can buy any of these things. Um, the other thing you could do is for as little as a dollar now, which I can't believe, you know, it used to be you needed like $5,000 minimum to go into a mutual fund. And then if you want to have what's called a periodic investment, uh, it might be, you know, some minimum. Last I checked, for example, Schwab, I think, I think Vanguard, Fidelity might be similar. You can check. But for example, Schwab, uh, you could buy a, a mutual fund with a dollar. Literally, you could open an account and put a dollar into a mutual fund. And a mutual fund is just a, it's a collection of stocks, one dollar, you buy into all the stocks. So for example, if you wanted to buy something that mirrored the S&P 500, I'm sure they, they have some of those. And their they're, you know, costs are very, very low. But the, the neat thing about uh, a, you know, setting up a periodic investment, you could say, hey, let me buy my first share of a mutual fund or, or buy into a mutual fund for a dollar or more. And then you could say, uh, hey, every month or I think you could do it every week, I don't, know if, I don't know if you can do it every day, but every month, uh, every two weeks, every week, you could set it up through their site to say, uh, transfer in X amount of dollars and then automatically buy shares. And so think about that. You could be like, hey, let me put a dollar into it. And then every month, every two weeks, every week, go ahead and take this money out of my bank account, move it to my brokerage account, and then go ahead and buy shares. 
And that's a really good way to set up that periodic investment. So, you know, once you have that going, it's, I think, taking the first step is, is getting the accounts open, get everything titled, and then you're sort of, you know, on your way. The other thing that I think is really exciting for, uh, you know, people getting started with investing is the idea of, you know, one of the, the impediments uh, for a long time was this idea of one commissions. Well, that's, that's done now. But the other is this idea of, you know, I'd like to buy shares, but, you know, let, let's do a couple. Let me just look up some, you know, I want to buy a share of Amazon. Um, and Amazon, their price was $3,311. So, well, all right, well, that's good for them, but um, I don't have $3,311. Or maybe I have a bunch of money, but... Um, you know, that's, that would be too high a, uh, a percent of my portfolio or something like that, whatever it is. And so that's, that would be an impediment. And especially when you, you have, uh, you know, commissions, but these firms, I think Fidelity does it, um, Schwab, I know I'm looking at their site right now, Schwab slices, they call it. And basically what that is, um, at least in Schwab's case, and I'm not doing a commercial for them. I'm just a little more familiar with, with their stuff. Uh, I'll pull up Fidelities as well while we're we're talking. But for for a minimum of five dollars, uh, you could buy what's called fractional shares. And fractional shares means that instead of let's use the Amazon, instead of having to need you know three thousand three hundred eleven dollars, if you had five dollars, you could buy a fraction of that uh, that share. Um, and so basically, yeah, and I, I think actually Fidelity, it's uh, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs for a little bit of dollars. So maybe, maybe they let you do um, a little bit less. I, I don't know for sure on there. But so let's say that uh, a stock is $415 and you put in $5. Instead of owning, you know, 100% of one share, you would own 1.2% of a share. And you're like, well, that's not really a lot. It's it's not about the amount. It's about investing, seeing the compounded growth over time, both in dividends and, and capital appreciation that you hope for, adding to it. And it starts to sort of snowball a little bit as it compounds. Uh, remember, you don't, to double your money over 10 years, you don't need 100% return. You need about a compounded growth rate roughly about 7.12, 7 7.15% annualized compounded growth rate to double over time. So, you know, that's an important thing to remember. So if a stock is, you know, $230 and you put five bucks in, it's about, you know, it's about 2% uh, of a share. So I think this is one of the more powerful things I think that's, that's happened to get Younger people, new people, people who are investing, interested a little bit more. And so there's really two schools of thought here. I mean, the easiest thing for me to say would be, hey, just put money in on a periodic basis, start to do it, find the, the excess money in your couch cushions or find something you're not using anymore to throw on an eBay, sell, to raise a little cash to, to throw into an investment account. Um, and, it, you know, there's every, the benefit of just buying 
uh, a mutual fund than invest in the entire S&P 500. Is of course, you have diversification. You're buying, you know, pieces of 500 companies, theoretically, and as opposed to one. So, but I also think there's a lot of benefit for buying individual companies, especially if you're doing it with a smaller slice. And, you know, let's face it, something that was sitting in your garage, if you sell it on eBay, that's found money anyway, right? It's, uh, you know, that's money that was dead money. It was not really doing anything. But I think the benefit of going in and using something like the, the slices, at, you know, Fidelity or Schwab, is that you can actually start to follow these companies so let's say you bought shares of Netflix or Apple or Microsoft, uh, Amazon, Google, Facebook, any of these companies, right? Well, then you'll start to learn about uh, how to watch for when their earnings come out, earnings or how much money the company made. So you can understand a little bit more about uh, the company releasing financials. Those are earnings. You could figure out, hey, when do they pay dividends? You could start to look at the balance sheet or the income statement, different, just different things like that. And just watching for news on those companies. And I used to really just say, hey, why don't you just put all, don't, don't worry about trying to pick stocks. And look, picking stocks is difficult, uh, but I do think there's a benefit uh, on this, in this regard. If someone is, is younger and they're trying to learn about markets and learn about stocks, I think you have a little bit more of a, an association or an interest if you have, you know, a collection of different uh, stocks. So, you know, uh, but this, this is good. This is a good time to be starting out. Um, I still think it's interesting, though, and I'll say this again, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Robinhood and um, some of these other online apps for millennials and, um, you know, their, how they make money and things like that. That's probably a topic for another episode. Uh, maybe I'll try and get somebody on who uh, who's involved with uh, one of those apps at some point. That would be an interesting discussion. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, there's a lesson there that uh, and I'll go back to the friction point. Um, there's nothing that, that they do that, in my opinion, that these larger brokerage firms can't do. Um, so it's going to kind of be an interesting space to watch. So the lesson today is go clean out your garage, throw something on eBay, get some cash, throw it into a brokerage account if you don't already have one. And it's, it's easier now and less friction, less cost uh, with the internet, with online. And then by the way, once you have it, you can, you can actually follow it in apps and, and things like that. So I, I hope that uh, this is helpful. It's a question, you know, a lot of times I get questions from people and, and uh, it's like, you know, it's a good idea, but then it's just the, the taking the steps from being a good idea. How do I fund it? What, what are, where do I go? What do I need? So, um, and I'll put, post some links. I, I actually, I probably won't post links. Did Google, uh, uh, Vanguard Fidelity or Schwab and, uh, uh, you can go to the site. So anyway, I thought we'd take a little break after, uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously we did our, our big election preview. Apparently we, uh, uh, weren't that far off, but, uh, uh, we were off a little bit. As we said, we're not, we're not bolsters or abundance. Um, and the good news is it seems like over time, uh, you can go back and listen, uh, listen to episode, but it's back in August that the historical market returns for various political parties, despite who's in the white house, the Senate, uh, good news is they've been pretty good over time. So 
All right. With that, we'll uh, leave it here. We'll be back next week with uh, another episode. Again, please uh, share this with people, especially if you look, if you're an investor and you know people who are younger, not investing, share this episode with them. It's uh, clean that garage out. You're going to find something. All right, folks, have a great week. Bye.